Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? Doing all right, Ben. How are you? There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their un- upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Uh, we're doing well, and uh, it's time for part two of our mailbag discussion where we answer your questions that you sent in. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. So our first question um, is from Nuno R. Soares. Apologies if I butchered that. Do you shield yourselves from listening to other people's opinions on prospects before being comfortable with your own evaluation? Uh, no. So I think it's important to talk to other people and hear – their perspectives on prospects. Um, I think something we've talked about in the past, however, is it's very, very bad if you are simply told by league personnel that uh, you're <laughs> wrong about something and you just change your opinion. Um, because then, like, I mean, where's like, where's your agency in that? Like, where where is your critical thinking? Like, if someone tells you that you're wrong about something, go back and reconsider it, maybe. But that doesn't mean you should just alter your opinion. And I mean, that's, that's not something I do, but I definitely listen when, when people say like, um, I don't know, like I've seen this guy in a new context, especially for youth players. Like I've seen this guy in a new context and actually he has way more creation ability than he showed on his stacked AAU team. Like that's an important piece of information. Yeah. Patrick Baldwin. Um, that's an important piece of information that you have to take into account. Like this person has has seen something you haven't seen and, and you know, they, they have an opinion that's worth trusting. Um, you know, listen to them, uh, and, and, you know, consider at least like, don't, but don't just, you know, assume that you're wrong. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's important when you're, when you're confused about something to talk with other people, it's important. I mean, like thinking about evaluating defense, for example, like you don't necessarily know what an individual team's scheme is. Like if you're, if you're watching something and you think that something is a, is a negative play by someone, but you know, you could, you could certainly see a case where you know that was what whatever they did that you thought might have been negative was, was something that the scheme actually dictated they were supposed to do you run it by someone else see what they think um so i think it's very important to talk to other people um but it, it's a discussion it's not it's not someone telling you you're wrong and so you move them on your board that yeah. that's that's bad that's intellectually dishonest yeah. like and that means just like as as someone who's creating opinions ostensibly like you're not actually doing that you're not doing anything beyond besides like being a messenger for other people and if that's the case like you're not really adding anything or at the very least you should be transparent about what you're doing that you're just conveying someone else's sentiments um so i think it's very important like i'll definitely i'll shy away from from like reading like like back when Coles Wicker used to write yeah, his, his hour-long pieces, like I wouldn't read that before ever seeing a prospect because I don't want that to influence my thinking. But you know, after after I've watched 10 games of Isaiah Joe, like I'll go read Cole's dissertation on Isaiah Joe. Uh I'm just not gonna allow that to form my opinion for me. Yeah, I mean I'm in 
definite agreeance. It, it's th- this community is like great and and here for a reason. Like this 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 isn't a solo endeavor as like the podcast has has like is a manifestation of um we're here to bounce ideas off other people and <laughs> bounce ideas off other people and and learn from other people. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like we talked about seeing people in in different contexts, it's it's impossible for one person to 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 watch everything and and glean every bit of pertinent information fr- from every single bit of tape. And that's why we have other people to to check our work and to and to see what we're doing and to agree or to disagree. I mean, yeah, like like Max said, don't change your valuations simply because somebody else says you're wrong even if they give a reason why you're wrong um it's fine go back check your notes check the stats check why you had your had a certain player ranks where you had him and if there's a legitimate reason to move him and you agree then then sure but if you just want to i guess believe in someone else's opinion over your over your own that's that's really counterintuitive for yourself and everyone involved because you're not really going to grow as someone who's an evaluator and someone who's critically thinking and creating their own opinions. But yeah, I mean, no one can see everything. And even when everyone does see the same things, everyone sees different things and, and people come away with different opinions on, on the same games, the same tape. So, I mean, cross, cross checking and having discussion and discourse in like a healthy way, not just yelling at people in Twitter mentions. Um, but I mean, actually being critical and thinking about these evaluations is kind of why we have this podcast and why a lot of this draft Twitter community exists. So yeah, um, do read others' work. Do do not shy away from other prospect stuff um, before I form my own evaluation. Yeah. Uh, next from at Benu Disu. Apologies if that's incorrect. Uh, which non-first year eligible prospect will be drafted first in 2021? Um, I said. I feel like we both play have the same person here. Uh, I did. I just listed my Good. whole like first tier of returners. Oh, okay. I can do that as well then. Yeah. You, so, while yeah, you're um, doing that, should I should I say mine or do you you have yours ready? Uh, say yours. Okay, I've got Deuce McBride, who I'm sure is who you were thinking of. Yes. Uh, then I have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Romeo Weems, Keontae Johnson, and DJ Carton. Um, uh. Carton's kind of interesting because, like, I don't think he's gonna get a transfer waiver, right? So he's not gonna play this year. I, I is he? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, think I think DJ Carton's probably not gonna play this year. That's a shame. Uh, but yeah, which is really unfortunate. Um, because I like DJ Carton quite a bit. Uh, and especially next year in a class that that like after the very top guys is kind of low on on creators, low on like especially guard size creators. Like that's one of the the points of appeal for Miles McBride. Um, but Carton, I think kind of fits into that group as well. Um, and it's a shame that we, he's also just like really fun to watch. It's a shame he's, that we're going to, so fun. we're going to miss out on him for yeah. a year, but, um, yeah, that, that would be my top tier of guys. I think of those, my favorite is probably Deuce. Um, I think Weems maybe has the most potential to go really high. Well, I, I think I think McBride and 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 Weems probably have the most potential to go really high, just because Romeo Weems could be stepping into a much larger offensive role, and if he yeah if he shows some of that uh, at the very least self creation that he showed at at lower levels, um, and he could be a really interesting prospect in the wing, uh, and then Miles McBride I think is just is poised to to really break out. Um, is a really really yeah. impressive self creator. I mean, obviously he has to take huge strides as a, as a playmaker for others, but. Uh, you know, getting his own offense, he, he can really do. Um, so yeah, I think if I had to pick one guy, it would be tough between Weems and, and McBride. Uh, uh, I guess Jerry kind of factors in there. Like, I think he'll probably be really productive. Uh, but I, if I had to pick one, it's, it's I think, between Weems or McBride. Yeah, my one lotto guy, um, like, like I said, I, I deuce. Um, I think I'd also probably go Weems if I'd like if if I had to put money down on somebody just because of the offensive role he's going to command with with no Paul Reed there, and and like some of the ball handling that I mean I believe is there and then he flashed occasionally and if he can put that together and some of the more on ball creation stuff that he's can do I mean combined with just the incredible defense that he already shows, yeah I mean Weems Weems could be like a, a pretty high pick um, and then I have Deuce McBride yeah as well. I have Keyonce, 
um, who I, I I love. Can't wait to see what strides he makes next year. Hopefully he continues to progress because the really developed this season and over the course of the season, um, improving his ball handling and his passing this year. Excited to see what he ends up doing next year. And then JRE, yeah. And then I had two guys like who were like not in that top four. That's like my pretty firm top four of returners. And then I had two guys. Um, someone who I, I was going to talk about later in Catching Eye, but I'll probably just talk about him now. Uh, Franz Wagner, who's uh, Michigan. I should wing some, someone who like I've been watching a lot of recently. You know, I've been really like quickly, quickly, quickly warming up to. So he's super young, uh, six foot nine. Well, g- going to be a sophomore next year. Um, and he just does a lot of really good things. He's pretty impressive shooting prospects, uh, like 83, 84 free throw. Uh, high three-point attempt rate with with versatility. I think he took like almost 153s this year. Um, really s- pretty smart off-ball passer, quick decision maker. Then defensively, he has really active hands, smart rotations. Um, plays really physical as well. Despite I mean, the big thing is his frame is just so underdeveloped. Um, really skinny. Doesn't have a lot of burst, but is super physical and like battles in the post versus switches, invites contact on offense, is willing to bang with smaller guys in the post, even if it doesn't always work out because of because he's just so frail. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you run like like the Bart query, his his level of like shooting and and size and age and like steals um, in terms of statistics are really rare and basically unmatched. Um, so yeah, I mean, someone who I think is going to take a leap next year, um, with no Isaiah livers, Xavier Simpson will be gone. Um, and then my other guy who is kind of like a more fringy guy is, is Bones Highland who, um, I love the Sean Bones Highland VCU, um, kind of similar to Wagner, even though he's a very different player. Um, his issue being that he's so, he's so skinny, had like a sub, like, I think he had like a 15 free throw rate, maybe even worse than that. It, it was yeah, really he, he took like 19 free throws yeah. right and, and right, yeah a lot of them <laughs> yeah which which like i mean don't put stock into the low free throws he's an awesome shooter tons yes. of versatility range elite, elite took, took a ton of threes. incredible incredible shooting product has like a really impressive has a pretty impressive handle too um and bones highland took 24 free throws oh this year in 31 games Whew. Yeah, and then he's a good passer, and then a really smart team defender. So like, with like ten point four percent free throw. Yeah, okay, I knew it was really bad. So, but yeah, like, like with any level of physical improvement, could like really see him be super dominant at that level because, like you said, he is a really spectacular shooting prospect. Um, one of my favorite turners, someone who I had in the first tentatively on like my twenty twenty one rough board just as kind of a projection someone I've, I, I, I like a ton and I'm really excited to watch next year. So those are my six guys for like top, top tier returners and then two guys kind of fringy outskirts. Yeah. I really like bones a lot as well. I, he's probably, I feel like more like another year, even in at um, VCU. Like I, I, I kind of doubt he comes out after next year, but um, I really like him long-term. I mean, I am pretty high this year, even, um, but yeah, I mean the body is is not good. Um, no, it's bad. Franz, like definitely someone I think who's always going to be underrated defensively because he's like a you know skinny kind of tall white guy with with like a pretty bad frame, uh, but like moves pretty well. Like you said, very active hands. Um, yeah, just like a strong all around player. Um, and on like as from like a wing forward, that's pretty valuable. Uh, so yeah, I mean I think right. someone who who will probably factor in into like the first round range next year. All right, so we to our next question. Yep. All right, so if this is from S underscore Reed nineteen ninety nine, other than opportunity, what is keeping Grant Riller from being a dynamic slash defense betting score at the NBA level? Also, for each of Ben slash Max slash potential guests, which there are none of, who is the player you'd most want your favorite team to draft with their current projected picks? Okay, um, keeping Grant Riller from being a dynamic scorer. Uh, I think the only thing that really concerns me is what level the pull-ups at yeah. like grant riller is a like four three-point attempt a game guy i think like each of the last three years something like that i'll check quickly but uh you know an impressive shot maker definitely from the mid-range um has shot well on spot ups uh for i think his entire career yeah so he's about four three-point attempts a game each of the last three years and 3.3 uh his freshman year um, but yeah, I don't know if he's quite the level of, of dynamic pull-up guy that all of the elite guards, elite scoring guards are in the league right now. 
Um, that's the one concern for me. I don't really worry too much about the about the competition level. Uh, he's he's an otherworldly athlete. Like he he tore apart. Uh, I think VCU and Oklahoma State, right? Um, like he he you know looked dominant there too. Um, I think the the concern with Riller definitely after he bends the defense, what kind of decisions is he making? Um, and just being as bad at defense as he was in the um, in the CAA as a 23 year old. Uh, but like, I mean, looking at someone like, uh, Justin Wright Foreman coming from the same conference, kind of like similar style of player. Literally just pulled up his, his, yeah. So like Justin Wright Foreman was in last year's draft, was picked in the late fifties by the jazz, uh, NBA contract or two way. I don't remember. I believe he has a two way and he was really good. Like he was really good in the G league. He averaged 70 points a game. Well, well, so that's not really good. That's kind of the problem is that he was, he was exactly, I think what you'd expect in the G league where he was really good offensively and still really bad defensively. Cause Wright yeah. Foreman was another guy who was old in the CAA playing at Hofstra and was a really bad defensive player in a really bad defensive conference. And that translated to the G league. So I think that's a point of concern just for Grant Riller overall that like the defense might be really, really bad. Uh, but I, as a scorer, I don't, I don't really worry about him too much. Like yeah. that, that's kind of why he's a, you know, around a top 20 pick for me. Um, because I, I believe in him as a scorer. It's, it's most of the other stuff, but, but the thing separating him from being like an elite level scorer, I think is definitely the pull up. Yeah. It's the pull up. Yeah, exactly. The same for me, just what level of shooter he is. And like I said, that's why I have him like late teens and not top 10. Cause I am not confident enough. He's going to be an elite shooter to make up for his other deficiencies combined with the fact that he's one of the older players in the draft. That's like for sure going to get drafted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add on to that. I mean, believe a lot in his scoring, unreal burst, really great space creator. Um, yeah, I mean, a guy who's going to be able to score the second he steps in to the NBA, and someone who could be a real utility for a team, even if he doesn't hit a high end outcome as like a primary or a starting scorer, someone who could be like a valuable, like a truly valuable like microwave bench scorer, of which like that's basically like a non-existent archetype. But I think really could kind of bend the rules there and, and be that guy yeah and then for part two of the question um so i've obviously uh you know gone on and on about killian hayes and the celtics but it said this question does stipulate at their current picks um and i don't think killian hayes will be available when the celtics first uh come up so uh, I think it'll surprise no one. I had Xavier Tillman as one of the guys uh, with either of their late picks, which are currently 26 and 30. Uh, I think, you know, both for both the Celtics and Xavier Tillman, I think that's a great fit because the Celtics have such an extensive track record of getting big men to shoot. I mean, even late in their careers, like look, look at what Aaron Baines is now. Um, so I, I think that would be a really good spot for him. Uh, definitely worry a little bit about him getting up high on the floor. Uh, which the Celtics are kind of going to want from you. But, um, you know, Tillman, I, I think it's something I mentioned before, like is a guy who could maybe even lose some weight and hopefully add some mobility. Um, but I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, a guy who can, you know, create out of the post as a passer is something that the Celtics like to have. Um, so I like that a lot. And then I've got one like sort of upsidey play. Again, should come as no surprise, Leandro Bulmaro. I think that the Celtics with three picks are in good position to draft him as a stash guy. Uh, like we talked about with PD, uh, stashing Bulmaro on a, on a good uh, international team is probably the best way to get him, uh, you know, getting reps against high-level competition, but also getting some chances to create. Um, so I like that a lot. And then with that, that Memphis pick that's currently 17th, but given, you know, if the NBA startup actually happens, that could end up being a little bit higher. But even at 17, it does sort of seem like that could be the tail end of the range for Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony, who are two guards that I think would be pretty optimal long-term fits next to Jason Tatum. Because if you're thinking of him as your sort of main creator, those are some guys who can defend guards at the point of attack, uh, have pretty high-level pull-up shooting, um, and, uh, you know, just are, are nice fits as kind of less on ball guards, uh, for, for the long term who can create a little bit for themselves. Um, 
and just, you know, fit really well next to a jumbo creator. Uh, so I like those options as well. All right. So I am, I feel like I, this, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this in the pod, but I am a Pacers fan. Um, I don't really tweet about them anymore because I don't cover them anymore. And they only pick once at 50. So I, I, I did the Pacers and I listened to stuff for the Pelicans who I actually cover and spend most of my time dealing with. Pacers at 50, I just went with like all of the good second round targets like Isaiah Joe, Nate Hinton, Killian Tilly, Desmond Bain, Aaron Henry, all of those guys who are criminally undervalued by, by the mainstream. You're, you're I, trying to get finally get a guy who can defend on the wing. Yes, somebody. Like I, I would love Nate Hinton to like spell TJ Warren. I I mean to be fair, Justin Holiday was was quite good this year as three and D. Like he, he had a really underrated season this year, um, but I don't think he's like a long term answer or anything. And again, like Victor Oladipo has his health issues, and then TJ Warren, like I mean, is solid enough. And Nate McMillan turns everyone into a passable defender. So I mean. But but yeah, getting someone like 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 Henning Hint's my favorite guy there. Someone who like as a defender would would step in and be immediately impactful um, in a back end of a rotation. But yeah, and then lots of, lots of the fringy like of the 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 high level guys that we that we like a lot that the mainstream has lower there. So pretty quick for that. Um, and then for the Pelicans, so picking on twelve or thirteen, the the big two guys uh, like you added for the Celtics for me are are, are Cole are Cole and Tyrese Maxey. Um, just, just ridiculous values for me at, at that slot, and someone and guys who are are eventual uh, positive long term fits next to Zion Williamson, uh, someone who's going to be like that primary level creator, someone who's going to command that much offense, someone who's going to generate an inordinate amount of rim gravity, someone who already does generate an inordinate amount of rim gravity, um, someone who Cole plays off of has easier time making decisions. If he's a really high level pull up shooter, that benefits them a lot. Um, same with Maxi similar concept there uh both guys who can probably defend the the, the point of attack um i think maxi more but because you could both see could see both ending up as as like po- slightly positive guard defenders at, at their high end um and then i had Vassell um and patrick williams as the other two guys I, i'd want if those two aren't there this is like really uh versatile kind of forwards uh wings pat will less so because the pelicans don't have guys who can guard wings in the perimeter. And I, I, I fear that they try to throw Pat Will on the perimeter to, to guard big wings because, like, Drew Holiday is kind of their big wing defender at, at the moment. And while, like, Drew is probably, like, the best guard-up defender um, in the league, or at least up there, um, he, he he's not a big wing and can't guard big wings. And Pat Will can't guard big big wings either. So I think Va- Vassell would be the guy I, I prefer there, if not. Plus, with the, with the Pelicans' track record of developing shooters, at least recently, I, I pretty much trust anybody they get who's not like a total disaster shooter. I mean, I mean, even if they are to, to make them passable at least. So I like them there. And then I went, since they have a lot of seconds, I put a couple of stash guys. I'd be interested in um, Abdullah and Doi, uh, Georgios Kalitzakis and uh, Rokas Jokubaitis as three guys who I target in like late second. Cause, cause they already have like a lot of guys in the roster and they already have uh, Gigi Luzada um, who played in the NPL this year uh, stash who they, who they drafted last year. So, I think they're probably going to want to invest in that if they don't trade picks. So those are three guys we talked about on our episode with on our episodes with Ignacio. So go check those out for more in depth discussion on those guys. Yeah, those are three just stashes I'd be interested in for the Pelicans. Yeah, I really like the Cole Maxi idea for them too. Just someone who can defend the point of attack and self create a little bit uh, at the yeah. guard spot, um, and like. And, yeah. just, and shoot <laughs> like those, those, yeah. are, those are important yeah, I, mean, I, I, I mean just like having having zion makes things so much easier for for, for team construction because you don't have to worry about getting your primary yeah which is which is just really really good situation for the pelicans to be in at this point mm-hmm. um, all right so let's go to the next one yeah next from sixers adam we have uh he wants us to basically spend a few minutes debating a prospect who we disagree on um that was <laughs> really hard to find one actually um <laughs> we wanted to shy away from kind of debates that we've done a lot so like i guess rj hampton uh Pogoshevsky, nico. nico yeah so we're going with nico's teammate uh zeke naji um i like nick Zaj- no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like zeke naji a lot more than ben does uh like flaws with zeke definitely that he's like his reaction time as a mover is 
kind of slow to the point where it like derails his incredible movement ability a little bit. Like he is not a quick twitch guy on the perimeter, which hurts. But nonetheless, I mean, he's highly mobile. Um, he can really move with a lot of different positions, I think. And I, I think the crux of it is that I just buy him a lot more as a shooter than you. Um, I think he's a decisive passer, but a limited one where he he like well he'll he'll see something that he thinks is is a passing window and it ends up not really being there and it's it's not a good pass. But I think being a decisive decision maker is definitely better than being a um a Slow um, one. yeah a processor a processor is the word I was looking yeah. for. So um I, I I I wouldn't say I like that about him, but I think it's better than the alternative. Uh, he's like a little soft on the interior, but despite that is still a very good rebounder and a very good interior finisher. Um, he's like, I think he sets better screens than most of the big men in this class. Um, low bar though, to be fair. I mean, yeah, it's a very, it's a very low bar, but I mean, nonetheless, I think that Zeke Dodgy has all the makings of like a pretty valuable rotation big. And just as, as a sort of, it's not being a, like there are, there are plotters in this class who are like, okay i guess well actually not really even um but like (laughs) but like i don't know think about like last year like daniel gafford is like a textbook plotter but he was like pretty good at it like very very large cash radius like i guess fairly bouncy but like can't move in space definitely a plotter and like that has value in its in its own way but i would much rather have the zeke nodges of the world who are like yeah maybe a little soft on the interior but can really move uh, which is, I mean, it's just such a commodity in today's NBA. And then, and then just like really buying Zeke as a shooter. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, someone I've come around on a lot. Like, I don't think he's a brilliant player. I don't think he's like some super high upside guy, but if you're talking about like big men that, that represent an archetype that are actually kind of difficult to find, uh, I think like Zeke is absolutely that. Yeah. I mean, like I agree with a lot of what you said. Like, like you said, the, like, like movement plus, plus, plus plausible shooting projection is, is the valuable rotation. I like, like I'm just a little lower cause I, I think I'm also lower on the field than you. Um, I trust his passing less than, than you seem to. I mean, like he'll make quick decisions, but like he also won't sometimes. And then like, even when he does, like, like you said, like, unless they're like actually like very scripted for him, which I mean, if a team scripts like is able to script reads for him, I think um, it could be doable there. Um, he he could be like a a plausible like system passer, but again, not something I'm like ready to bet on. And then like I, I'm also like I worry about how viable he's going to be as a finisher and interior defender, just given how given his frame. And again, I don't think he's that great positioning wise on the interior. Um, I I have worries on both ends. But yeah, I, I mean, someone who like I, I'm fine taking in like the middle of the second round or even a little higher because like a solid bet on like a rotation big. But again, like like there are rotation bigs you can get, um, and like I'd I'd rather swing on like some wing. Like there I'd are rather... rotation bigs you can get, but I don't think that they're the style that Zeke Naji is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Naji is very unique, but like like I said, I'm, I'm I I have my reservations about whether his his like plausible skills are just like a comp or an actual like viable player or just uh like like a hodgepodge of tools that and skills that in theory look like a positive big but really never amounts anything yeah i'm gonna push you on one thing what do you think about zeke naji as a shooter going forward okay i don't really hate his shooting as much as you think i do i mean okay because because i thought you'd been skeptical that's my, no that's not my issue i mean and he's and he, he shot 45.4 percent on two no, point numbers no, i was like as like the long two guy i buy yeah. his shooting. exactly I mean, that's like I, I was trying to i was trying to no, like no, i buy his gotcha you there because <laughs> that's not my issue is he Naji. i just think he has no feel and is weak I mean, I think he's probably going to shoot spot ups. I mean, like you said, really good, like really, like he hit forty five long twos. Um, I think it was like most seventy six percent from right? the line, also on huge volume. Yeah, m- m- mostly like like I, I don't put as much stock into that free throw percent. Besides, meaning like like in any way other than okay, he's probably not catastrophic. He's not probably not going to be terrible as as a shooter. Um, like some floor there. I, I mean, I think he'll be a fine spot up shooter in in time. Uh, 
that that wouldn't shock me at all. But that's again not like really my concern with him. And again, like uh, apologies to Adam, who I'm sure really wanted us to really wanted to see us go at our, go at each other's throats a little bit more. No, no, like, he didn't. Ad- I can guarantee you, Adam just wanted to give us a question that he knew that we couldn't answer. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Sixers, Adam. Adam, we love you, buddy. Um, but we're sorry on this one. Like, where do you have Najee on on your porch? I'm just. Uh, I think like thirty. Um, okay, I take, I, have, I, I take him at the end of the first. Okay, I mean, I have him like. Yeah, I have, I have him thirty. That's fair. I mean, that's 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 one of the biggest. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's our best attempt at a debate. Uh, this is why we have guests come on and debate <laughs> us at each other because we evidently aren't very good at it. Um, but yeah, I hope that suffices. And with that, let's let's move on to a hopefully less awkward question. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their un- upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Uh, okay, <laughs> next from at uh, RyanJ underscore underscore, who are the three players most likely to have a 5x5 five five in the league? This is a fun one. Yes. Um, first, I went with um, I went with Tillman. I yep. think Tillman um, just like gonna get assists, rebounds, hits that points easy, um, steals blocks. Just guy who I think is like I mean, there's a trend here. I went. Um, I think uh, Pokuseski, um is another one who I had. Who I think like if he gets on the floor, like just someone who like hunts stocks on defense, um, transition assists, rebounds, scoring. Someone I can see that happening, and then I went with a Coro again. Um, who actually thinking about it, I probably interesting. That's that's weird to me that you put a Coro over Devin Vassell. Yeah, um, thinking about it, um, I'd have Vassell over a Coro. Thinking about it now, I'm I'm not yeah. sure why I put a Coro. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take that one back. Um, yeah, I oh, um, I've thought of maybe Bomaro is one. Yeah, you're you're missing, I think, like the most obvious one, which is Onyeka Kongwu. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess that's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, yeah I think a Kongwu is is I, a I, lot. I mean, I thought maybe the assists, like probably not. Uh, I, I think that because I mean, I, I mean, like yeah. I, so that, that's what I was skeptical about with with him. The re, the re, so the reason I left Poku and Denny off were because I don't think they get enough on ball like creation reps to rack up the assists consistently, and then Denny. Uh, I I don't know that he's that level of steals guy. Like he doesn't like like he's a really good interior team defender, but like he's not like some super long guy who's like in passing lanes all the time. Um, but yeah, Poku and Denny I considered, but I mean I guess they could rack up five assists, like cheap assists in transition maybe. Or yeah, I mean I, I don't know. But that was my thinking with with with, with Poku. I mean. Yeah, the, I was a little concerned about that. And then, so the yeah. guys that I picked were Onyeko was like the first one. I think that he's a really good pick. Uh, I had Tillman as well. Um, I mean, the blocks, I think, and, and assists are like kind of kind of speak for themselves. Um, but he's probably like underrated as a steals guy. Two percent steal rate this year. Uh, just so smart, yeah, that's, really that's long. Good. That's quite good. Um, yeah, just like I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant defender. Uh, and then I went with Vassell over Okoro. I considered Okoro, but Okoro, like, more of a shutdown corner, less yeah. stocks guy. Vassell, pretty nuts stocks guy. Uh, and I think just, like, you know, we've talked about the high-end outcomes with Vassell, uh, where he, you know, is able to capitalize on some of those passing flashes where he's enabled more as a, as a passer. Um, you know, I think that his his, yeah. his vision is is definitely underappreciated. Yeah, I worry uh, about the passing with Vassell as well, which is yeah, why. yeah. I mean, you're you're kind of, for Vassell to get this like more than any of these guys. You're relying on him hitting a high end outcome where he's like a you know a, yeah. a creator. But I think that that exists. Uh, but I think that the the guys we named are like the real candidates. I I don't know that like I I I kind of thought. Like maybe Lamelo, but I think he had two blocks this entire year. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, once you, I mean, he has to like do a forceful rim contest before he can do a <laughs> five by five. I mean, yeah. it's like not RJ Barrett bad in terms of like forceful rim contests, but like it, 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 it's not it's not pleasant. 
Yeah, I mean, like maybe Killian Hayes has a game where he's like really overpowering at the point of, the, of attack in terms of size and gets a bunch of on-ball blocks. Yeah. Um, I, like Pat, I guess, could do it. Um, but I, th- I think the guys we named are like the, the clear, uh, choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a strange, not that strange question, but like a very, niche. no, it's a, it's a fun it's question, cool. but it definitely it is, is a fun, fun one, but, uh, a tough one. Um, all right. So let's go to our next one at hoop goose, which prospects evaluation was most affected by the pre NBA team situations, such as schemes, role or sporting personnel, which ones did it, which ones did it help hurt, help most or hurt most? How do you take that in consideration when evaluating? Oof, there are a lot of parts to this. Um, and I kind of prepared for it poorly. Uh, but I, I think the, the answer is Cole Anthony. Like yeah. he was, is his context was really, really poor. Uh, the spacing at UNC was awful. He could not move. Uh, he could not maneuver on the interior at all. Um, and I think that like definitely his, his own physical limitations came into play there that we didn't see at lower levels, but uh, the context was really bad for him. Um, now, whether that's good for his development long term is, you know, up for debate. Uh, we talked about that on on our episode with PD. We kind of think that is good for him long term, but it's definitely bad for his draft stock uh, as a guy who's now kind of a late lottery type pick after coming into the year as a serious contender for the number one overall pick. Um, so, I mean, how do you deal with that? You evaluate him in other contexts, like like we've you know we're talking about all the time. Uh, you know, you go back to the, to the EYBL film where Cole was a very dominant player. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with hindsight, you can definitely see some problems you didn't see before, but you also see skills that, that were there that are, that are real, that, uh, for whatever reason were muted or not, but I mean, for obvious reasons were, were muted at, uh, at UNC. Um, and then I also threw Onyeka Kongwu out there. Uh, just because I don't love how he was used at USC, um, played, I think too much drop pick and roll coverage did not make use of the fact that he's a very, very mobile player, um, and played definitely too much, too big, uh, just like, you know, with a lot less room to, to maneuver on the interior. Um, so I think that he maybe even looked, looked worse than he actually is, uh, which is kind of crazy to think of a guy who was such a dominant college player. Um, but yeah, those, those are the, um, the main guys I had, uh, I think I kind of also thought about Killian Hayes just because, uh, with Ulm, I, I really like, uh, their coach. Um, I think his name is Yaka Lakovic. He was a first year coach and I think he just schemes really well to get Killian attacking to his left. Uh, and Killian, I think is kind of like a rare case at this point where his NBA coaching staff like could be worse than than his pre NBA one, uh, so like you'll see that for Obi and for Killian, I think, and that's pretty rare and maybe a little bit concerning if Killian goes really high, uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. Like I think NBA teams are smart enough to, to you know adjust to that, uh, but I, I think it's it's worth accounting for at least. Yeah, all right. So for the guys who are hurt by the stock, I had Cole as well. That's like a hurt by the situation. That's that's obvious. Um, I had Maxi as well, because just like playing next to Aston Hagens and Emmanuel quickly for so much of his um his time. I, I'm pretty sure like like his like Kentucky's offensive rating with just Maxi and no Hagens was significantly better than with with Hagens and Maxi for for understandable and obvious reasons. Is Maxi being by far the best offensive guard on that team? Um. Yeah, I mean, being forced next to Hagen's, I mean, put him in like a quite negative light as he was thrust into a role um, off the ball that he never, that he's never in his life played before and had to adapt to, and statistically at least he, he struggled with and had his stock fall as Maxi's like a late lottery guy, like like Colt's point, um, and then had stock had, had his stocks depressed as well. Um, but I, I mean, which is more up for debate than the offense, but still, I think the the UK system played a part. But yeah, I mean. So someone who is, in my opinion, and Max is uh, much better than the late the late Lotto um, ranking that he has in the mainstream. Um, and then I had Tyrell Terry as one, who I think is benef- who I think Stanford's like heavy motion like twirl kind of offense uh, hid some of his passing. I think he's a better passer than he was able to show because like the only times he really got to show off like 
pick and roll hits to the roller was when he'd like come off of like a, when he'd like loop around the baseline and, and like do a side pick and roll to an to an empty side. Um, I think he can do a lot more than that. I, I've seen a little bit of his pre-college tape. I think he was more impressive as a passer pre-college. Um, I, I have more belief in him as a passer than, than Stanford showed. I think that that movement ability, that like constant motion, while it's like good, like it's good, like, like it creates good offense and it, it's in, and it's like enjoyable to watch. Um, at least in some in, in some instances, it's it's not super beneficial to a guy who is projected as like an on-ball guy, and for someone who's projected as a pick and roll passer. But that but that's not as like extreme of one. And then like I had a couple that that um like like their the situation helped their stock. Um, first one is a Coro who we've talked about um at ad nauseum on this podcast, um being thrust into a creator role um as Auburn's most talented creator. Help, help help boost his stock someone who played on the ball rightfully and someone who yeah I, I don't know how much that is like this situation helping him like i don't know i think it would have been nice for okoro if they had like any other competent offensive players oh well i mean it helps his stock like undoubtedly yeah I, yeah, I think, yeah which is which is kind of what i was going for answering this one like because I, I mean his stock i think is higher than it would have been if he had like i mean even if you played on last year's team like, like if they had like jared harper yeah and like um what's his name? The other one, Bryce Brown, like, um, like playing as Coro. Like, I, I don't think his stock would have been as high, like pretty, pretty seriously. So yeah, I mean, I think he was helped by that. I mean, whether or not like it would have been fun to watch him with other creators, I, I think it boosted his stock in the mainstream at least. Um, yeah. That was it. That's all you have. Yeah. Um, that was all I had. Oh wait, um, sorry. I, I don't more. Just kidding. Um, also like for another mainstream stock boost, which is OB, I think just, playing in a perfect situation, perfect per, per, perfect team construct. Um, Anthony Grant is a fantastic coach. Again, like you mentioned, like Killian could have a worse NBA coach, especially if he goes to a team high in, high in the draft because um, Anthony Grant is an awesome offensive coach and he was put in the perfect system to, to maximize his, his skills as a roller and as a passer. Yeah, I mean, um, I think really the answer to this question is that like – every single prospect is affected by team situation like yeah, every I mean, every single one and that's that's the great case for watching guys in multiple contexts like i mean like devon dotson think about how much he was helped by playing alongside udoka azubuki like massively, so yeah. so many different prospects are i mean not so every single prospect is impacted by situation um and you have to account for it and that's why you should see guys across multiple years uh across multiple teams different roles um yeah, it, it's just like you know, don't don't just watch one year of one guy at one school, because uh, it's not going to give you the whole picture. All right, so let's uh, go to our next question. Yeah, yeah, uh, from T H Half Court Press. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's a T Half Court Press. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, if if Bomaro can't really sh- can't shoot more than like twenty nine to thirty one percent from three, how useful can his playmaking and defense be at the highest level? Um, the answer is probably not very. Um, yeah. I mean, less like maybe he's thrown into like a very heavy pick and roll, um, like roll off the bench, and like his is it like has a really well spaced floor, but like that that seems unlikely, and that's why I mean, as we saw last week on our both of our median boards were much lower on Bomaro than our actual boards because Bomaro is is truly an upside swing. Um, and a lot of that upside hinges on him being a better shooter than 29 or 31%. Because if he is, I mean, he's not going to be functional off ball. And then on the ball, it, it's going to be a long shot. Even though, I mean, I, I wouldn't say his pull a pull up is like as requisite for his role and it's as required for his role as, as other guys, but it's still important. Um, and just being that poor of a shooter, even with all the other skills that we love about Bomaro, um, he's probably not going to be that great of, a, of an NBA player. Yeah, I think the answer is that he won't be very good if that's the case. Uh, defense will still be very valuable, but probably not enough. Um, I, the only way that, he, that the playmaking is still functional at all if he's a 30% three-point shooter is if somehow he becomes a dominant finisher, which yeah. I mean, that seems a yeah. lot less likely than him becoming a good pull-up shooter um, because he's just so limited vertically. Um, is not like a crazy touch guy or anything like that. Uh, so I think if he's, if he's that bad of a three point shooter, he'll probably be pretty bad. Yeah. Um, agreed there. So I think that was a quick one. Uh, good to move on to our next question. Yep. 
This is um, Coiling underscore Oracle underscore. What are Cade's pathways to becoming a top-tier on-ball scorer? I get all the hype around him. Could see this being a bit below other elite-initiated prospects. Yeah, I think the answer is pretty simple. It's as a slasher. Um, he it, like had some of the most impressive slashing performances in EYBL that I've seen. Uh, he's underrated as a burst guy. Um, he's really, really quite explosive and just a total outlier strength guy that he can just completely dislodge people and finish at the rim. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he could be a really, really dominant slasher. Um, and I, I really, I buy the shot a lot. Like it, it, the mechanics look really good right now. Like I know the history of percentages is not that great, but, um, I, I totally buy him as a, as a pull-up shooter. But I think the main the main appeal is as a, a dominant slasher. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty simply. I mean, the shot I think is going to be plenty good enough um, in time. I mean, his his touch is awesome. He's he's shot a copious amount of, of difficult threes throughout his career. Yeah, like I I, mean, I think the shot's going to be really good. Like I yeah, I think I, he's going to be a really good shot maker. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I mean, maybe not like an elite elite pull up shooter, but yeah. he's not going to need to be. Um, for his role, because like, like we said, is so incredibly explosive, um, bursty, rises in traffic off of one foot, off of two foot. Think, thinking about one, the game against Phenom, yeah, where he exactly. was at the rim like fifteen the- times against Jalen Johnson and Patrick Baldwin and Reese Beekwin and um, and Jamin Brakefield, like. They that's the game him. I was talking about. I think that game's on YouTube. Like, if you want to see how Cole Anthony, I mean Cole Anthony, uh, Kate Cunningham can become uh, like a dominant uh, scorer, watch that game. Like, he he's at the rim on every single possession against a an absolutely loaded EYBL team, um, and he's just there on every possession and he's finishing all the yeah, time. Yeah, like, it's so, it's ridiculous. He's, he's so good as a slasher. I mean, that's not to to mention like the passing, which doesn't need which which goes without saying is 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 spectacular um so yeah i mean pretty clear that cade's gonna be a pretty special on-ball player i'm gonna live at the rim um one of the best passers in the world at his size i mean pretty simply like and and, and someone who both of us believe is is gonna shoot so that's that's all the makings of a really special prospect and someone who's clearly number one next year yeah, our final question is from a uh, friend of the program, Ignacio, at Airball on Twitter, E-Y-R-E, Ball. Um, who is the non-prospect that you enjoy watching the most, and who is the true NBA prospect that you dislike watching the most? Right, so I have three. Um, one is, like, kind of a prospect, and that's Justinian Jessup. Um, uh, J- Jessup is so much fun. I just love, like, watching him shoot, watching him create um so smooth just so aesthetically pleasing someone i enjoy a lot and then two non-prospects who are like very very not prospects because of age and shooting uh shakur justin is one uh oregon senior is like 24 and can't shoot but is one of the best team defenders in the country um can really pass this consistently incredible then and then um um john fulkerson uh no you you stole mine (laughs) oh my god yeah, and then John Fulkerson, um, so so much fun, awesome passer, really smart defender, actually kind of explosive as a finisher, just just, just can't shoot at all, so not really a prospect. And aren't his mid range shooting numbers are like not horrific, right? Yeah, I think so, but he hasn't. He's taken like five yeah, threes. He, like, whole he has career. not attempted. He never yet. shoots. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't mention Devonte Jordan, the Buffalo guard. I just haven't seen him. As, I just haven't okay. seen him enough to. He's very him. entertaining. Yeah, he, yeah. He he took two threes this year. Fulkerson did. Ooh. Yeah, I seen one game of Devonte Jordan, and that was the, the Vandy game. So I, I I won't count that one. But yeah, I mean, I, I considered him. And then the ones I dislike, um, Trey Jones, um, who I just like can like every time I watch him, I, I sour more. I recently watched the like the at Virginia game where like 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 Kihei Clark got by him at point of attack so many times like it's not Trey's even funny. defense this year was I don't think not it's, great. I think it's honestly getting kind of overrated. Um, it was very it was very good last year. I, it, was yeah, it, it was really good last year. And like the reason I don't have him even lower than I do is because like I believe in his defense and a lower usage role. Because like like it was genuinely really impressive at, at times last year playing next yeah. to Zion, RJ, and Cam in like a very low usage off ball role, which is what he projects as in the NBA anyways, but just like really not fun to watch and like takes like so many mid range pull-ups nowadays. That's, that's kind of all he does in offense. I have in my notes all the time. Like I missed the old tray <laughs> before he shot all the mid range pull-ups. <laughs> um, 
And then like Precious, um, who I, I dislike actually less than Trey, um, but because he does like cool things as an athlete sometimes, but just like baffling decision maker. Um, we've talked a lot about Precious in the past. Don't need to go too much more into him. So. Yeah. Uh, so you snaked the one non-prospect that I like, Fulkerson. Although, I mean, I, I, okay, Ignacio asked about NBA prospects. Yeah, Fulkerson's not an NBA prospect, but he is, I think, uh, an international prospect. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. And then prospects that I don't like uh, to watch. I had a lot. Um, so I had my first category is like faux prospects. Like they're, I'm so low on them that I think they're like barely prospects, but they're, they're in my top hundred. Uh, I have Jemias Ramsey and Isaiah Stewart, uh, cannot stand watching either one of those guys. Um, I didn't even include them cause I just thought of like guys I actually think are like plausible NBA guys. Which well, is why yeah, I that's why I have multiple tiers of these guys. So, yeah, um, Okay, Stuart, oh like I've I've done the Jemias thing to death. Like I, I don't need to do that again. But Stuart, I just find so miserable to watch because it's just like pure brute force and nothing else. Um, and he just can't jump at all. Uh, and I really find it miserable to watch him. And he plays in a zone on top of that. Uh, so it's just it's not a fun experience. Um, real prospect, but bad. I've got Precious. Uh. I, at the very least, like Precious does some entertaining things. Like he is a very impressive athlete. Um, for like the first time, uh, I think it was yesterday. I kind of got the Precious thing because I watched the game Houston at Memphis from late February, and and Precious's defense in that game was actually really good. Like, yeah, I mean, it, he really has some like impressive defensive moment as a big. Um, also, yeah. like the I think it was, I don't know if it was at or versus UConn it was really impressive defensively as well. So, I mean, like, I get it, like, on that end, him kind of. Yeah, it's like, just in, in the past, like, like I mean, even though when he's, he's like, having these these impressive defensive flashes, like, even, like, down the stretch in that Houston game, like, he had an ISO possession where he got his feet really tangled and conceded a ton of space in the clutch. He had uh, a possession where he might have messed up the coverage. I wasn't entirely sure, but in a, in a clutch scenario, um and then, and then he ended up locking someone up in isolation on the final possession of the game and forcing a miss. Um, so, like, good and bad. And then there was just, like, lo- lots of, like, good rotations on the interior and forcing misses with his his length. I mean, he re- the standing reach with, with him is really good. Uh, but just such, an, like, such a miserable offensive player to watch. Uh, it's just really, really not fun. Um, and then I've got two guys who are good prospects, but I really don't like watching them. The first is, uh, I think, probably going to fa- be fairly surprising, but it's Aaron Neesmith. Um, that's I really not that surprising. I, he's boring. I really don't like watching Neesmith. Uh, just like a terrible decision maker. Uh, he's an impressive shooter, but I, I just like I, I don't find that that fun to watch. Like <laughs> just watching a guy like shoot off movement threes and do basically nothing else. Uh, is is not that enjoyable um and then i have obi as well because i just like watching obi move it is i don't mean this like for effect like it's genuinely like uncomfortable because he he looks injured when he moves um like his, his just like side to side movement is so painful um like he can't when he backpedals like his his like each stride is like six inches it's so so bad like I, I posted a, a clip of him backpedaling and was just like, like, this is, this is so bad. And I had people saying like, that's effort based. No, no, that's just what he looks like when he's backpedaling. He can't do it. Like he cannot play in a drop because he can't backpedal. Um, and he can't jump out of a backpedal either. And like, he's so bad moving side to side and changing direction. That, like he can't stunt and recover. It takes him too much time. Like he's just going to be such a bad defensive player, not because he's like lacking in awareness or intel- and intelligence on the interior. Like when he's right there on the interior, like he makes some good plays as a help defender. It's just like, he, he is such an outlier, bad mover. It, like it, yeah. like there are bad movers. And then there are a hundred, like incredibly bad movers. And then there's Obi Toppin. Like it, it's, it's so outlier bad. Um, he's just going to be a really, really harmful defensive player f- for as like good as he is on offense. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't hate Obi as much as you do, but like, I mean, agreed. The, the defense is painful to watch in instances. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all we have for for our questions. Uh, thank you to everyone who who sent them. And the same thing we did last time. If we didn't answer your questions because we just had so many people send in, um, feel free to send them to us on Twitter. Uh, we're happy to answer them. If if you didn't get featured on the episode, so send them to us on Twitter, and and, and we'll answer your questions. So with that, um, should we do catching eye stuff? Uh, sure. All right. Um, I'll go with mine first. The first one is uh, well, uh, first one is uh, Zaire Williams, who is a uh, going to Stanford next year, twenty twenty one guy, top prospect. Briefly mentioned him. Um, just a ridiculous shooting prospect. I mean, shot like eighty eight percent of the line at UIBL. Took so many difficult threes. Um, like difficult contested pull-ups um really really incredible shooter at his size and combined with that like he's like a legitimately like pretty good defender i mean he's he's skinny um he certainly ball watches at times he lapses but he's kind of a stocks machine like he's he's uh, not just skinny though he oh, he makes he makes yeah. bj boston look like lebron <laughs> i don't know about that but yeah i mean he's very very thin very very thin but like genuinely pretty solid as a team defender like uh, like I, I watched a game uh, against i think it was mokan elite where he had like like eight eight stocks um which was which is really impressive um just like like so impactful with his length and his size and like makes more rotations um someone i keep creeping up on i mean like has a lot of issues like said, like so so frail still developing as a passer misses too many reads um like not the greatest slasher just by virtue of like solid burst, but so weak and gets bumped off his spot. It was like a guy at that level of shooting, like at his size is, is, is kind of is super rare. Um, I, I mean, I say that as you have like Patrick Baldwin in the next class, he's like an even better shooter and, and even bigger, but that's like a, a, another oddity. But yeah, I mean, Zaire Williams is a really, really good shooter. And someone I like enjoy watching quite a bit actually because of that. Um, and then, um, so, okay, so we have we have the Bulvers Houston rule. We, we have the Bulvers. I would like to introduce a new rule based on a game that I watched last night, which is the opposite of the Bulvers Houston rule, which is when there's something so good and so incredible that we're calling it. And this is um, the Deshaun Ruffin versus Renz rule. Deshaun Ruffin had a 51 point game versus um, NY Renz and for versus Kaminga last year in in UIBL. Um, I treated myself to that last night to to raise the spirits, and I, I like I had a few words like I didn't take very intense notes or like our clip, just sat back and like watched Deshaun Ruffin drop fifty one on on Jonathan Kaminga's head, like he he's so much fun, like he 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 I think he hit nine threes like a ridiculous pull up shooter, just some some of the craziest like little guard finishes you'll ever see like i'm pretty sure on one of his finishes finishes i was sure he like traveled because he hit the ground before he shot the ball on his jump i mean he's just so much fun and yeah this is this is the first enactment of the of the rough inverse wrens rule because i mean it, it was so it was so incredibly good and so incredibly fun and if you have any way to find that game and watch it i, I would recommend that you do because it's just it's just a great time, and I love Dacian Ruffin, and 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 Prep the Pro loves Dacian Ruffin, and Dacian Ruffin, come on, Prep the Pro challenge, please. I see one problem with this rule. I think you are going to have to put Anthony Edwards number one on your board because wouldn't you have to invoke that for the Michigan State game? This rule has nothing to do with frankings, Max. This is this is purely fun. <laughs> well, then I don't know what the point of it is. The point of the of the Bull versus Houston rule is that you're not a prospect if you if you have a Bull versus Houston game until further notice. Yeah. So just, so uh, well, rough and first run doesn't mean that you're the best prospect. It just means that you're like a very good one. And I still have Ant like two. So okay. All right. I I, I mean I'll I'll call like Lamelo versus like um I don't know uh, Breakers one of those games. Like and, and call it, even though it wasn't like yeah. I, I mean, like I mean, like Anthony Edwards was terrible in the first half versus Michigan State. Yes, so but like, the second half was bonkers. Yes, it wasn't. Yes, it was incredible. But he was so bad in the first half. So like, yeah, I'm gonna reserve that. But yeah, um, Tayshon Ruffin, good guy. Um, I I had I was gonna talk about Obi um for a catching eye, but I ended up doing that on the last question. And then I was kind of also going to talk about uh, Precious being good in that Houston game defensively, but I talked about that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think I have anything then. Um, 
yeah, I think I think I kind of covered those earlier. All right, so um, that's it for this mailbag. Um, sure, we'll do more of these in the future um, at, at some point. Um, so what when we do again, send questions. And again, if you have if you have more questions, send them to us on Twitter. We'll answer it. Um, yeah, make sure- and we have we have some exciting stuff planned going forward. Yes, um, we have a very we have yeah. a very exciting series of episodes coming coming soon. So make sure yeah. you're following us on everywhere. Yeah, so, I next week next week um, we will be uh, overloading your your podcast feeds with uh, podcasts, and um, I think I think it'll be something that people will, re- will really enjoy. Something that uh, is definitely missed at this time of the year. Um, you know, with with uh, the NBA and all NBA related activities suspended. Uh, and for now, I guess we'll leave it at that, but uh, there will be more teasers um, yeah. and uh, keep your eyes uh, peeled for that. Yeah. So stay tuned for um, the podcast. I'm probably most excited to do out, out of all the podcasts we've done so far um, in, in the near future. So with that, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up for today. Follow the pod on Twitter at prep number two pro pod. Um, we're on Apple um spotify stitcher make sure to especially on apple to leave five star reviews um helps us a ton yep still uh, offering bribes for five star reviews always always offering bribes I, I i i mean if you leave a five star review and like send send it to, to us like we'll send we'll send you whatever like well, no no whatever we'll send not we'll anything send you one, we'll send you one synergy page well <laughs> like I, I within reason like no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm committing to one synergy page, and that's it. But I'll send you one full page. synergy page. If you give me a reasonable request, I'll, I'll ben, ben, ben is going to be like sending people his organs or something like that. <laughs> I said reasonable. It's not basketball related, Max. All right, okay. should we cut it there? Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A Carlin, and uh, have a good day. See ya.